Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Lainey Mays. And Essie Ramirez. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, it's Lainey. Welcome back to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Very excited to be joined today by Lucia Macro, Vice President and Executive Editor at William Morrow. Hi, Lucia. Hi. Welcome back. You've been on the podcast several times. Several times. It's always so fun. I know. And so I'm excited to hear who you've brought this time. So I'll hand it off to you. Okay. Well, today I have brought Amiko Jean, and I am so excited to welcome her and to introduce you all to her, or maybe some of you know her already because um, Amigo is also the New York Times bestselling author of the young adult novel, Tokyo Ever After, and also Tokyo Dreaming. But we are here to talk about Mika in real life. And this is coming August 2nd from William Morrow Books. So welcome, welcome, Amiko. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Like, I think all writers. I started as a prolific reader and that was fostered and began in my local library. So um, I'm thrilled to be here and to be talking to you and to talking to um, librarians. I know. um, And I do want to talk about the book, but I will echo what you said about the libraries. As everybody knows, I I grew up in libraries. So um, I'm I'm always happy to to be here and introduce um, some of my favorite writers and books to librarians. So um, let's talk, let's just jump right in and talk about Mika in Real Life, um, a book that I just adore and cannot wait to share with the wider world. And I just want to start, I often start with this question because I always find it a very interesting, um, everybody's answer is a little different. It's so interesting, which is, you know, how did you get started in writing? Um, what what drove you to, you know, the very um, steady and lucrative profession of writing? Lucrative. <laughs> and uh, steady. <laughs> yeah. So I always loved reading, as I just said. Mm-hmm. I loved, loved reading. Um, and I remember at a very young age reading books and not seeing myself in them. So there weren't mm-hmm. Japanese-American characters. And I didn't ever read anything either by an Asian American author either. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I loved reading and I always remember I liked writing too, but I never connected those two things together that I could actually be a writer and produce something for readers because I had kind of been eliminated from that space. I didn't see myself in that space. And so I just, I had this, I just never thought it was a path for me. And so I would kind of write on my own and very privately. Um, And I did that for a really, really long time. And I didn't turn to actually like considering writing as a career until I was almost 30. 
I um, was working a variety. You'll see from my bio, I have like a a ton of odd jobs that I work. And I think that just points to the, you know, that I wasn't on the right path. And I was working at a job at that time that I was deeply unhappy at. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, opening up my emails and writing chapters of a book into the body of my email and then sending them to myself. So I was pretending to work at this job. (laughs) And that eventually... (laughs) um became a book uh, a really really terrible book and I did try to get representation for it um and a lot of agents wisely said no to it (laughs) because it was so bad um but that's when I first got that like taste and um that feeling of being really fulfilled Mm -hmm. and um and I knew that's what I wanted to do that that's when I really made it a goal to become a published author. Um, so then I started to kind of look at what I wanted to write next and be a little bit more purposeful with it and outline and do a kind of a, a loose outline for it um, and, and really try to get it in shape to get an agent and then eventually submit it and get it published. Mm-hmm. I find, yeah, I find that that is often, I mean, people who are writers are just, they're writers at heart. I, I, it's, it's as if they are just compelled to write or called to write. It, it's oh, like I said, it's always so fascinating to me to hear each writer's journey is a little bit different, but there's always that kind of thing in common. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I was going to touch on this later, but you, you know, you've opened the door, so I'm going to start now. Which is, you know, you were talking about how you um, didn't see books with characters like yourself, mm-hmm. and I feel like the cultural, cultural identity and a cultural journey is such an integral part of Mika in real life. There's so many themes in this book that I want to talk about, but that's one of them. I, I, I really would like you to kind of expand on and touch on a little bit further because we have Mika and she's the central character, obviously of the novel. And she had given up a daughter. I don't want to give too much of the plot away. She had given up a child for adoption. The child is half Japanese, I believe, and half white. And so I think, you know, culture and also Mika's relationship with her mother herself, it's such an integral part of the book. And I found it, um, um, in, I mean, fascinating and touching. And um, yeah, if, if I guess just if you could touch upon that a little bit. Yeah. I guess I didn't really have a question, but I think it's a great theme to talk about. That's <laughs> so interesting. I had, I had another interview last week and mm-hmm. the interviewee asked me, it was about Mika in real life, but, and in, and in the book, Mika is an artist and she suppresses her art for a very long time. And it's something that she rediscovers um in the novel um and they asked if I had done that too that I if I had suppressed my writing oh. and I had never made that connection before um and so I kind of had like this breakthrough <laughs> moment where I was like yeah oh. that's really interesting like I never thought of it either wow yeah um I know it was, like I said it was kind of an aha moment because I, I really had it. it had been something that I had buried um inside of myself because I essentially, like Mika, didn't have this like permission to pursue this dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it's so funny what kind of like squeezes through the folds of your subconscious and out on, on the, to the page. You know, yeah. page. Um, and that was, you know, th- that was one of those things. Um, and I, you know, and I think that's why I developed that with her. Mm-hmm. And this is also a novel. I mean, I also felt that this was also a novel about mothers and daughters. Yes. 
big time. (laughs) So complicated. Um, And I thought it, I thought it was, well, there were a couple things. The first is if you could talk a little bit about there's Nika's relationship with her own mother, Mm -hmm. which is, I would call difficult. Mm-hmm. And then Mika has a relationship, she develops a relationship with her, you know, long lost daughter, mm-hmm. um, which I think she, the way I took it was, she seems very determined not to make it the same, like the same as her own relationship with her mother. But then she falls into that trap where you, your kid is kind of your friend. And that didn't work out, doesn't necessarily work out so well. Um, but if you could talk a little bit about, I don't know, just like Mika and her relationship with her mother and that, I think it's that generational difference Yeah, that sometimes we, ha- I mean, I know I had it with my own mother. Yeah. So this was, I had kids. Um, they were, uh, I have twins and they were three years old when I started uh, Mika in real life. So it was very much still in kind of like that postpartum haze. And I was also really thinking about my own mother and my own mothering and how I wanted to be a mother mm-hmm. and what influences um, I had, what I wanted to do um, differently than my parents did. And, you know, that's all reflected in this book. I mean, it's an intergenerational book. So it's about, you know, we as women, like what we keep and what we carry and what we pass down to our children. And it's also about kind of dealing with all of that primitive love that we have for them. Mm-hmm. I think it's chained up inside of us, um, especially with uh, Hiromi, who is Mika's mother. She's very traditional. Um, She has a very traditional marriage um, where the husband goes out and he works and she's stayed home. And, you know, she didn't necessarily want that for herself, but she felt um, obligation, an obligation to do that. Um, and so some of that resentment really seeded itself and then it grew in the way that she parented Mika. So she tried to, um, have Mika be kind of a foil for herself and to kind of achieve those dreams that she felt like she could never achieve. And, uh, their relationship blew up because Mika wanted to go in a complete opposite direction. She didn't want to have this traditional Japanese life. She didn't want to, her mother really enjoyed dancing um, Odori and she didn't want to do that. Um, And so it's kind of, it's also about parents kind of reconciling, um, you know, who their children are supposed to be and Mm -hmm. you can't always, uh, you can't always guide that. Yeah, I think there's always that disconnect between who you want your children to be and then they just go mm-hmm. off. They just do that thing where they just go off and be whoever they're going to be, yeah. um, which, you know, I know can be frustrating for parents sometimes. I think it was frustrating for mine. Um, and I also loved, um, this is also a novel of, of um, female friendship as well, because Mika has such a great friend in Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah, I always thought that Hannah, Hannah is like the girlfriend you really just want to have she's so um she's so rock steady I thought um so there's there are just so many themes but I mean I mean how do you how do you see that relationship between Nika and Hannah I think you know this book is also about found families with Hannah Mika really found what she needed and what she didn't get from her own mother was kind of this um soft place to land every time and to feel really perfectly and unconditionally loved. And that's what Hannah 
offered to Mika and Mika also offered it to Hannah. I mean, there's a line in the book where uh, they talk about their friendship and how they were both branches growing from the same crooked tree. I can't, I don't remember it exactly, but um, uh, yeah, and that, that's really, that encapsulates their relationship. They were kind of um, outliers and uh, they went to like a a special high school uh, where, um, you know, kids went that there wasn't very much expected of them. And so they really bonded over kind of these, these differences that they felt between, you know, their families and also society. Mm -hmm. And speaking of found family, I mean, Penny, the the daughter in the book Mm -hmm. is, she's unexpectedly found family. Um, And I love, I mean, I know you have a background writing young adult, um, I love the way, I love the way Penny is portrayed. And I always wonder, I mean, how do you find, because I know I could not write about teenagers. Is, is it challenging to write about teenagers and how do you do it? Make their voices sound so authentic because teen language is so of the moment. (laughs) I feel like by the time I figure it out, it's like long. Yeah. Is there, yeah, so is there, and is there a big difference in writing for, you know, the teen market versus, you know, the adult grown-up market? Yeah, I mean, there are, there's, of course, differences. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to write at different levels um, Mm -hmm. for each market. I mean, with Mika in real life, it's really an intergenerational story. So it talks about, you know, Mika's mom, and it talks about, you know, Mika's daughter, and I couldn't explore that with a young adult novel. However, I do think you know, Penny and herself, she could, she could have a whole young adult novel that revolves around her and her experiences, um, you know, finding her biological mom and being an adoptee. Um, But yeah, she was really a pleasure to write. She was, uh, you know, strong and so enthusiastic and a force of nature. And Mm -hmm. I think very much the opposite of Mika, who kind of was a little bit more timid in the world. and, you know, Mika has circumstances which made her that way. And because Penny was raised differently than Mika was, she kind of had this ability to, to be out in the world. And I think all teens do too, where you feel kind of um, like you're conquering it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I remember that feeling that way as a teen, that I was kind of like uh, this force to be reckoned with and that nothing could ever hurt me. And I... <laughs> It's kind of what I try yeah. to bring to Penny, you know. You have that feeling of you're sort of indestructible when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, or some kids do, I think. And Penny certainly has that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you and and I'm also interested in Penny's relationship with her with her adoptive father. Yeah. I mean, that's that was also so complex and um, you know, and then and then see, I don't, I, like I said, I don't want to give too much of the plot away. It's so hard not to. How did you see Penny's relationship with her father? Um, you know, do you think she was closer to her father, her adoptive father than her adoptive mother or vice versa? Because, you know, her, her adoptive mother passes away. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, when I think about, so Penny's adopted father, his name is Thomas. And I mm-hmm. think about their relationship and their relationship trajectory, um, you know, Penny lost her adopted mother at a young age. I think she was nine or 10 when her adopted mm-hmm. mother passed away. So it kind of forced this man, Thomas, uh, into yeah. closer proximity <laughs> with his daughter, right? Like he was, and he also, um, 
Caroline, who is the adopted mother, stayed at home and Thomas worked. And so they, in that sense, had kind of a more traditional marriage where it was the mom at home and the dad worked. But mm-hmm. um, but it kind of forced him to be both kind of mom and dad, both parents, to Penny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thomas is pretty rigid. He is a planner. He likes his like schedules and structure. Um, and he's been thrown these really big like life events that are totally out of his control. Like mm-hmm. first infertility, um, then his wife his wife dies, um, and then his daughter takes off to meet uh, her biological mother. Um, so he's kind of been reeling for a really long time. <laughs> Poor Thomas. <laughs> I feel like he's been like trying to catch his breath for a really long time and, and Penny like won't let him, like she keeps kind of throwing punches mm-hmm. um, and she challenges him. And, you know, and so he kind of comes along for this ride, but um, you know, unbeknownst to him, he ends up having to kind of deal with some of his own issues too. Well, librarians, I just think you are going to love Mika in real life. It is um, it's the kind of book that your your patrons, you know, any of your patrons who want something that's, uh, you know, uplit, but a little more complex, really elegantly written, um, you know, it is, it, it is just so, it's heartwarming. It's the kind of book people will talk about. There is a lot to talk about. It's a great book club book. So if you have a live, you know, library book club, perfect, perfect, perfect. And also, um, you know, some of your patrons may know Amiko's work, um, Tokyo, um, Tokyo Ever After, which I read and quite loved. So the kids, I'm sure, have read it. So there is that why a little bit of that YA interest crossover. Um, but this is just, you know, really seriously, one of my favorite books of the summer. And it is on sale August 2nd. I just really want to thank you, Emmy, for coming to talk to us. Um, It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.